Trying to get away with it. Oh, no. and I just built beer over the keyboard. <laughs> no! 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 My F8 keys don't work, and there's no, there's just beer everywhere. Hold on. <laughs> Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast, presented by Cinema Summit, a podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts, Alex Dark and Trevor L. Nelson. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is episode 18 of the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. I'm Alex Dark. And I am Trevor L. Nelson. And today we're going to be talking about adding depth to your story as well. Bonus, as well as to your image. Oh, sneaky. Sneakity snaps. It's happening. Uh, But first, what are we drinking today, Alex? What am I Are we going to surprise them? Are we going to surprise them again? Uh, No, they should know. Yeah, yeah, it's Kona beer. Big wave golden ale. Guys, we are down to two cases left of Kona beer. Um, and then we're going to go back to hard alcohol, even though our hard alcohol dispenser is giving us a little fritzies. It's haunted by a ghost that is also a drunk. An alcoholic ghost. I don't know why, but the, for some reason this uh, ghost likes to drink or something because our liquor is going away while we've been drinking Kona beer. Yeah. So, I don't know. In other in other alcohol news, Trevor has started to drink um Patron XO uh, Cafe in his coffee. Yeah, we got this uh we got this little alcohol thing in Vegas when we were there for Alex's bachelor party and the guy threw in a a bottle of uh Patron Cafe Patron XO Cafe but mocha flavored. I don't know if you've had the regular XO Cafe, but it is uh you know coffee flavored Patron, delicious. This one is a little chocolatey coffee. And let me tell you, if there's ever an excuse for me to drink more, it's being able to add some coffee chocolate flavored uh, uh, tequila into my coffee. You should just take it home with you so you can have it every morning on your way to work. Sadly, I have a bottle of Patron XO <laughs> Cafe at home. Perfect. <laughs> so, and I also have a bottle of Irish cream at home. Nice. So I'm I'm all set on the coffee. You don't even and, need coffee. No, I know exactly. It's just <laughs> it just is so. I just add the the Irish cream with the XO. So good. I also have a, a whiskey that I only use for coffee. Good so, whiskey coffee. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's a Bushman's, and uh, yeah, that's my Irish coffee. So yeah, I'm I'm doing good on the uh, coffee alcohol department nice. at home. But that's thank nice. you, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, thanks for looking out for me. Sure. Since you don't like coffee at all, I don't like coffee. I prefer to drink straight whiskey in the morning. Yeah. Ooh, that'll put hair on your chest. Yeah, and other places. <laughs> all right. So what's new with us? Um, if you guys couldn't tell from my voice and me not hacking up along, I am back to my normal health, which is not very great normally, but it's better than it used to be. Yeah, you you you, yeah. you swooped back to a C plus. Yes, I'm only slightly out of breath now when I walk. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I sweat just a little bit less than I was when I was sick. Mm-hmm. And other than that, normal Trevor. <laughs> yeah, normal noises coming yeah. out. Yep, I can't explain them, but they're normal for me. So yeah, not suck bad. it, guys. You're not doctors. Don't tell me what to do. No. Uh, what else we got going on? What's we're uh, going to a cabin this weekend. Yeah, we're gonna for a company retreat. Company retreat, just me and Alex. <laughs> you follow us on Instagram. Uh, you know, not Cinema Summit, but Gilded Cinema. Our, I guess you could say, parent company of Cinema Summit. We had our <laughs> a picture of our company. Uh, holiday party in December mm-hmm. yeah. that consisted of us sitting at a restaurant with two beers. <laughs> yep, there was that. So now we have our company, Cinema Summit's Retreat, um, and that's going to be just me and Alex going to a cabin. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, Should be exciting. Super exciting. Uh, we're gonna we have a big project we're working on for Cinema Summit that we're trying to finalize, and we tend to see more um, creativity and more work done when we are not, you know, not in our normal surrounding. There's yeah. something about like being locked away. Yeah, where you basically just there's nothing else to do but yep. work on it from like sun up to sundown. Yep. As um, it were. Granted, we do usually get a 30-pack of beer. We'll probably be doing that yeah, again. Yeah, we do that. And we also have what we call man meals. Man meals, baby. Um, which <laughs> consist of uh, grilled steaks, deliciously grilled steaks, uh, followed by just a can of beans <laughs> dumped on the plate. <laughs> um, it's a culinary masterpiece. Uh, when we make our restaurant, that is what we will be serving everyone if they ask for the man plate. <laughs> Not surprisingly, uh, man meal number two is usually steak cut into strips yes. with refried beans. <laughs> in, tortillas. In, in tortillas. It's just a lot of steak. <laughs> that is what happens when we go to these retreats to get projects done. We just eat a lot of steak yeah. and drink we a lot get of beer. drunk. And it counteracts the gout. Yes, yes. So we start sweating from drinking, and then we continue the sweats from the meat. So we get meat sweats mixed with beer sweats. Uh, so this weekend's going to be fun, super fun. Can't wait. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, another thing, we hit 1,500 Instagram followers. Check us out. I'll take that. That's cool. Very exciting. If you haven't um, followed us on Instagram, check check us out at Cinema Thanks Summit. Thanks for nothing for helping us reach 1,500 if you haven't. <laughs> if you haven't added us already it's real exciting i think we have 17 photos up right now yeah i know i know we trying, have some to, trying to get better about yeah. that we do some stories though we do some stories yeah 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 um also we uh we just shot this week um some more videos for stage 32 answering um members questions about filmmaking those are going to go up on their blog stage32.com slash blog so look for them there um in the upcoming weeks and then also we did a live video on facebook answering some uh, reddit questions we have so we're going to keep doing those um, you know, jamming you guys in the face with our voice and our faces, which, uh, whew. Man, it's Sorry. real exciting. So, Sorry, yeah, guys. Check out facebook.com slash cinema summit. Yep. Like it. Get all our junk straight <laughs> to your junk. <laughs> <sighs> On that note, what are we doing? Let's get to the main topic. So talking yeah, about adding talking about depth here? to story and image. Oh, yes. Um, so uh, we're going to go start with story. So in okay. your screenplay, you know, a lot of people, you know, maybe they won't, haven't heard the word adding depth to a screenplay or adding depth to a story. But basically yeah. you get a lot of first time filmmakers and fil first time screenwriters say that they're, you know, their script kind of just hits the notes, just bam, 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 bam. Yeah. It's um, on the nose. It's on the nose. It's kind of boring. It's just, it's every action is, is just a move to the next scene. Right. You know, there's nothing really adding a lot of layers to it. Mm -hmm. And you'll see people, uh, you know, mention that a lot if they're if they're writing the screenplay or if they're reading someone's screenplay. A right. lot of times, like you need to add some more depth here. Um, so, what to you, Alex, are some ways that you could add depth to your screenplay to make it more interesting, make it more complex, and thus more interesting? Uh, well, one of my favorites, one of my favorites that I always try to think about, no matter what script I'm working on, is dilemma. Adding dilemma, mm, mm -hmm. which. Um, if you think of it as sort of like your characters having to make the choice between two equally terrible options. Yeah. You know, I feel like point that, of no return kind of thing. Exactly. So, and you can have multiple dilemmas throughout. It doesn't have to be just like one major dilemma that mm -hmm. is, is driving them, but you can have little mini dilemmas where, 
uh, the character has to choose between two things or like there's a fork in the road that can go one way and have a pretty bad option, go another way, have a pretty bad option. Mm-hmm. And they have to like work their way through it. Yeah. And I think that adds a lot of um, like really nail- nailing down the dilemma adds a lot of depth because basically having a weak dilemma means that one of the choices or both of the choices aren't really that difficult and therefore aren't it's not changing. That, not that interesting. Yeah. There's not much at stake. Yeah, it's it's all about the stakes basically. <laughs> um which I think adding to the adding dilemma is is the idea and I think it's you know another fancy word for a dilemma is subplots. Um you know if yeah. you look at you know and when we say adding death go look at you know read a screen couple screenplays or watch your movies and see how they add dilemma to the characters stories and how they add subplots cuz that will add emotion and depth. So, you know it's kind of this idea of what's the motivation behind the character. And it doesn't have to be your main character. It could be a, you know, a secondary character. What's their motivation? And that motivation comes maybe from a side, you know, a subplot. So something that's going on in their life that isn't directly connected to the story, but is driving their reactions and actions in the main, main plot. Yeah. And, and, um, Similarly, there can like similarly to the dilemma where you can have multiple dilemmas. You can have multiple subplots going on too yeah. with different characters. Each character can have their own subplots. Yeah, I'm um, um I'm on the 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 billions kick. Oh yeah, um big fan of that show. And there's a lot of subplots. There's characters that have their own story going on. There are you know the main story I guess you would say is uh, Paul Giamatti's character Chuck going against Damian Lewis's character Bobby Axelrod in that battle. Yeah, but there's so many subplots going on in there and side stories sure. that just makes you care about. Oh man, I got I got a little bit of a tickle. <laughs> <Whoa. there. laughs> makes you care about the other characters and makes you interested in it all because you know there's never a dull moment because if you're away from the main story, you you're still on another story or another subplot that is interesting. Yeah, and not only that, but like you know, in terms of adding depth, like. Everyone has, like, there's a billion subplots happening to everyone at, at any given moment, you know? Yeah. Like, that's what makes us multidimensional is we have, yeah. like, family that we're juggling, work, we have school, we have um, hobbies, like, our own issues, inner turmoil, things like that. Like, all these different things can come out as subplots that um, really help shape a character and, and give, give your audience an idea of who they really are. Because yeah. the cool thing, like, about in Billions... Um, mm-hmm. You really get to know the characters kind of through the people around them. You know, it's not just all relying on their dialogue yeah. and like their own actions. You see kind of uh, hints of who they are really in like uh, versus like who what the the show that they put on for everyone else. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's kind of like another layer of depth that you can get into, which is uh, the the surface versus the internal. Yeah, and I think Alex touched on it a little bit, but didn't really dive into it. Look at your own life. How many subplots do you have going on in your life? You know, I could say that me and Alex, our main plot is, you know, Cinema Summit and Gilded Cinema. But there are so many subplots in the business world or like in our careers. And that's yeah. just one plot, our careers. Then you have our personal lives. Alex just got married. I'm sure there's a lot of subplots there. <laughs> Boy, do I know that. <laughs> uh, huh. Will they, won't they? I, you know, there's tons of stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I Meat mean. Meet cutes. <laughs> just look at your own life and realize that there's a lot of subplots and that's what makes life interesting. Um, you know, when it's kind of funny to say, but when people say, you know, 
I'm in a rut, it's probably because they don't have many subplots. It's they're doing the same thing and following the same plot, same thing. Wake up, go to work, come home. Wake up, go to work, come home. Wake up, go to work, go home. There's no subplot. Even go to the gym or doing something else is an added subplot that adds excitement to your life. And so you got to take that into consideration when you're writing uh, your characters. Yeah. And that's not to say you can't have a character that starts out that way where, where they are in a routine like that. But they have to eventually experience some change. Um, some, yep. you know, they have to come across the dilemma or whatever, yeah. the actionable force that pushes them through the story. And then they have to grow and change. Otherwise, you know, what are we really doing? If there's no change, it's not a story. Exactly. And adding to that, I mean, that this all goes back to character building. So give your characters background, give them, because again, those are subplots. Those are dilemmas, you know, where they grew up, what they, how they were raised, what experiences they've had in life before they're, before we start seeing them in this story. Um, and that'll give you some depth. They'll, it'll, it'll motivate their actions. It'll motivate their reactions. It'll motivate everything. Um, you know, why does this guy actually an informant for the FBI instead of, in, you know, being truthful to the mob and stuff like that? That's all a subplot based on the character's background. I mean, you can think of The Departed and why those two guys were in different situations from their background. Yeah. And speaking of a show that is really good that I started watching. Uh-oh, which one? Uh, Sharp Objects. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. My God, is it good. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the first episode... It's about an hour long, the first episode, maybe a little bit over. Are the other episodes half? No, okay. no, they're equally, but they're kind of like, you know, they're just like randomly, they're not like all 26 minutes gotcha. or whatever. Gotcha, but, some's like 50, some, yeah, exactly. some's a minute, an hour and 10, gotcha. Yeah, okay. the first episode is longer than an hour, um, and the first like 40 minutes, there's very little dialogue, and they do a really good job of setting up the character background. Ooh. through visuals and just sort of like mood, you know, you have this kind of like gross mood and like these actions that she's performing that you're just, that gets you in like this from her past. Um, there, there are flashbacks as well. Okay. But the thing Um, she's doing in the current time. Yeah. Builds her background up. Exactly. And it's all done uh, really well with like the aid of music, uh, but very little dialogue for the first half of the episode and it's pretty cool. I like the way they they built her character out. I don't hate that. Yeah, sounds good. I gotta check out that show. But I'm like the wife is stuck on billions, so that's all we're watching until we're caught up. And so hey, now we got a few episodes left. That's true. A few seasons. That's well, we're on the third, so we're we're good there. So aside from that, I, I would say the final thing you gotta do is understand the arc of your story. Yeah, and do you want to get into that? Well, I think that has a lot to do with. Uh, what we were talking about when it comes to uh, like change, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you have to know the trajectory of your character from point A to point B. Do they end up back in the same spot? Mm-hmm. Did they go through a change and then realize that um, you know they can't change yeah, forever? And that's and, fine. I mean, and Alex, they go back. Sometimes that happens. Alex has said, like, oh, you got to change, or what doesn't matter. Well, I mean. That doesn't mean that you can't change and then go back and realize, you know what, I should never have changed or I can't change. Yeah. Or, you know, you're right back where you started from. There's a lot of movies that do that where they go through this whole journey. All these trials and tribulations only reveal that they can't escape their past. They are who they are. They didn't change. They can't change and stuff like that. So know, 
know what your middle point is if if they there's a point in no return where it's kind of like wait a second can i change yeah do i want to change i think you'd be pretty hard pressed to find a script where the character didn't change at all throughout the whole story true because that is ultimately what the story is it's about the journey that the characters take and through that they learn things they meet people um yeah and that's kind of the nature of storytelling um and that becomes the story arc so i think it's important to i mean the traditional method is the three-act structure yes you know? mm-hmm. um but you don't necessarily have to stick directly no, to any of that stuff i yeah. mean and you don't necessarily have to have like the character change you know dramatically throughout it could be like just at the very end it could be at the beginning and then they're working through it or whatever you know it's like there's no set formula for it yeah per se. they could be in the same spot they started but their perspective has changed yeah. or the fact that they, you know, in terms of what I was saying earlier, like they don't really change. Like they're still in the same position. They know this is what the life is, is life is. But in the beginning, the idea that they can change is a, a different mindset. And at the end, when they realize they can't change, that their mindset has changed. So there is change there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. You get it? You get it, guys. You guys get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Anything else on the story? No, story I, mean, I think that's it. I mean, just add layers, and that usually comes in characters and dilemmas and actions and, and things that you can't always um, can't always you know, plan for. It. You know, they, they always say when you're writing your script, let the characters guide you in terms of what they would do, and that comes yeah. from the background and the, their, their subplots and their internal dilemma, their internal conflicts and their dilemma yeah. of how they would react. And I think the the kind of first comment you made about how people, some uh, first time writers or or novice writers, tend to be pretty on the nose, and uh, and all that comes back to the fact that they haven't really, perhaps, rounded out their characters well enough or their story arc, and so they're just um, dealing with the surface level stuff, yep. and they're not getting, they're not digging into. The character background, the internal conflicts, the dilemma, the subplots, the arc, and all that kind of stuff. And that's where drafts come in handy. You know, the first draft is usually just getting the whole main idea on paper. And then you go back and you start, you know, adding in this subplot and adding in these details that add depth. So don't feel that your first draft has to be like, oh my God, this is a, like, you know, everyone knows your first draft's not perfect, but don't even think that your first draft has to have all this depth in it. You'll do that as you're learning about your characters, as you are, you know, living in this world as you're writing it. You, you'll you'll get subplots. You'll see where a character goes awry and stuff like that. So yeah. it'll come with practice. It'll come with drafts. Um, don't don't fret about it in your first draft. Get your main ideas down and, and go from there. Nice. Now, as a cinematographer, Alex. Yes. How do you add depth to an image? So, well, you know, you want to get that cinematic look. You don't want the, the person to blend into the background. You don't want the background and the person to be in focus. Yep. Um, you want to add depth in terms of, you know, interesting imagery and mm-hmm. also just within the frame. You want to add depth. So give us, give us a couple of tidbits. Sure. Well, there's quite a few ways. Oh, okay. Never quite mind. Quite a few. Uh-huh. Um, the most obvious one is depth of field. Everyone talks because about it has this. depth in the name of it. It does. Oh, that's good. It that's does. good. Yum, 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 and yum. it has field in it. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
field is from the French word, which means depth. Yeah, so, so it's basically it really means depth, depth of depth. depth. Yep, it's confusing. I bet you guys didn't think you're going to learn languages today. Mm-hmm. Taco. Um, so, yeah, depth of field. I think, I think people can go overboard with depth of field, mm-hmm. especially with the huge sensors and fast lenses that are digital cinematography today. Well, explain to the people who may not know may not know the technical sure. term of depth of field. What is depth of field? So, depth of field is when your focus plane becomes narrower. So your background nerd. is out of focus, Such a nerd. but your foreground or your subjects are in focus. Yeah. So you see this all the time. Um, Street signs behind a person are out of focus. You yeah, can't read you them. get the, the twinkle lights that are just creating like the big blobs of light, you know, like mm-hmm. the blurry bokeh lights. Yep. Um, all that's depth of field, and you get that by... Um, <laughs> having your aperture wide open on a big old uh big sensor and you can get some really 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 shallow depth of field Mm -hmm. but a lot Um, of light a lot of light and uh (laughs) yeah i mean that's one way and i'd say my opinion on that is use it sparingly okay um don't go ultra wide open at an f or t 1.2 if, yeah. if you don't have to. I mean, um, I think when you look at most movies and you think about what seems cinematic to you, there is depth of field and there is the out-of-focus background, but it's not so shallow. That you can't make out anything that's back there. That you can't make out anything that's back there and that you can see the focus puller just like, you know, going <laughs> crazy trying to keep whatever... Yeah, in focus, and yeah. I mean, the one one movie that has always stood out to me in regards to that is Fruitvale Station. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that in theaters; great movie. Uh, but I did notice in several of the scenes they were chasing focus all over the place. Yeah, uh, um, one thing you'll notice, and and you know what, when you're when you're starting out in filmmaking or when you're in a no budget situation, what you'll notice a lot of times is people will be like, you know what, this doesn't look very cinematic, and I can't put my finger on it. Yeah, and that is probably because camcorders and and things like that and non you know prime lenses, non cinema lenses don't always give you a shallow depth of field, so everything's in focus, and that is a dead giveaway to to like the whole idea of like this is a camcorder or this is uh, you know not the most expensive equipment. Um, there are ways to get around that, but you'll notice that if you ever watch a film or you know like a a low budget thing that somebody shot and you know they're asking for uh, critiques of it and all that, and you notice something's off, you just can't tell what it is. It usually is the fact that they have, uh, you know, a very big depth of field. You you know everything's in focus. You can read everything, and it, it and documentaries do this a lot too because you know they're moving in all the time and they have to make sure that they get everything in focus because you never know what's going to pop up. Yeah. Um, the interviews might not be in, in uh, you know, interviews will probably have a shallow depth of field, but like the actual action shots of the walk and talks will all probably be, um, have a deep depth of field only because it's necessary. Yeah. And I'd say um, when DSLRs first came out, the depth of field was what people were like really going crazy yeah. over because it was the first time a, a consumer with like pretty little investment could have this crazy huge uh depth of field look to it because before like with the camcorders you had to do all sorts of goofy tricks you had yeah. to like put the camera 20 feet away zoom in and do yep. all this stuff um 
And so I think because of that, people started to overcorrect a little bit. They went too crazy. Went too crazy. I have the power to create a shallow depth of field. It's going to be super shallow. Yeah. Dude's ear is going to be out of focus on his exactly. head. Exactly. Yeah. And on the same topic, kind of, side <laughs> rant, I went and saw um, Mission Impossible Fallout. Okay. I saw it at IMAX. Ooh, look at you. So you didn't use Movie Pass? I did not. Wow, wow. look at you. Somebody's got money. Because I couldn't. It was impossible. Oh, nice. Yeah. Was it a Mission Impossible? It was. Wow. Wow. Can't use that. We're going to get sued. We're going to get sued. Um, But one thing that I noticed on this giant IMAX screen is that there was a lot of that movie. A startling amount of that movie was out of focus. Really? Is that just because of the action? No. It was in the most simple standard coverage uh, shot reverse shot scenes you've ever seen. Chris McQuarrie, what are you doing? Get your hair. Do- oh no. Hair sharp, eyes what? soft. What? What's happening? Why was that? Anyway. Why do you think? I think it's because well they were it. shooting on film, I'm pretty sure. Okay. And so I don't know. Just error. Just standard error. Boo this man. I thought maybe they were doing this weird thing where Perhaps it was just the IMAX version, like they were shooting on IMAX cameras ah. and then also at the same time shooting on regular film cameras. So if that's the case, I don't know. Ooh. I don't know about the, the non-IMAX version, but... Yeah, maybe, well, maybe I'll go check that one out. I want to see it, but um, yeah. Quite good. I liked it. Okay. All right. Well, I, I want to see that, though. I want to see that that out-of-focus stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So next thing I'd say is... The play between light and dark, you can add depth with that because, again, another kind of not issue because I guess you could say it's a choice, but like something okay. in indie films that I see that is like a dead giveaway that that it is kind of like low budget and they don't have a lot of gear is that it's all pretty like the background is too bright. Ah, uh, they're just they're just blasting light. They're just blasting light, or they're just using the available light and they're not like mm. shaping it at all. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. So something I would suggest is if you're in like an office with overhead lights and everything's just like super lit, like get up there in a ladder and twist out some bulbs, you know? Yeah. Get the light off the walls so much and things like that and just create like pools of light. I was going to say, I remember my cinematography professor always talked about uh, pools of light. You want, you know, you don't want everything to be blasted. Have like little pools of light. Little areas that are brighter than others and make the background interesting just using light. Exactly. And so that, I think, is huge. Um, you know, and there's, there's, um, there's times when you want things to be more, like, lit and flat. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the normal response would be to say that, like, comedies should be or are typically more, like, flat and, and overlit. Gotcha. You know? mm-hmm. uh, because it's not trying to create like a dark mood or anything like that. It's just trying to highlight the jokes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The comedy, I can't think of the last comedy that I thought was like, oh man, the cinematography on that one. Woo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, play around with the light. Um, this is also where it comes in handy to scout the locations because you don't. I mean, even. Even nowadays in documentaries, when they're doing the sit-down interviews, they're not they're, – they're, they're playing with light in the background. So, you, you know, you, you have like somebody sitting, sitting at the camera, looking directly at camera, 
they still light the background to make it interesting. Yeah. And they don't take that for granted that, oh, you know what? It's just a, it's an interview. So whatever. Yeah, totally. And, and I also think, um, you know, the, the varying tones is actually kind of like what creates the depth. So if you, if you look at a black and white image, Mm -hmm. you know, if you imagine everything, you're shooting everything in black and white, how would you create, you know, depth? That's true. Yeah. You can do it with the light and dark. Yep. Um, so the next thing. Yes. Foreground and background, adding for adding objects in the foreground. Oh. This is one of your favorites, I think. Um, but this, it's I don't highlighting. Hate it. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to frown upon it. Sure. Uh, it's highlighted by depth of field yeah. quite frequently. Mm-hmm. But the idea of having like, a chain link fence in the foreground and you're shooting through it or something like that. And it's out of focus or you um, tell me you don't like that. I do like, that. Oh yeah. So shut up. I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, or, you know, <laughs> shooting really low and seeing like foot, like a uh, feet walking in, yeah. in the foreground as you're looking at, you know, the characters in the background or something, you know, it's just like having action or objects or something happening in the foreground so it looks like they're part of the world. I mean, like, you know, somebody sitting at a park bench and having people walk in front of them. Exactly. That just adds to this idea that they're in a world rather than just, it's stuck on them. Yep, exactly. Don't be selfish, characters. Don't be selfish. Um, let's see. What's the next one? Do you have one? Um, I mean, I always like, this is kind of music video-ish, but atmosphere, like fog, sure. smoke machines and all that. You know, It's add- actually not music video-ish. You don't think so? It can be if you're really heavy-handed with it, I guess. <laughs> if you have, like, the fog on the ground, like a like thriller or uh, something. Or my rap videos <laughs> that I like to do. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, just adding some, you know, creating the environment. You know, adding a little smoke or, like, sometimes the smoke and putting a, a beaming a light through a cloud of smoke will just add some depth in the background. That just gives it a nice mm-hmm. little look and makes it, again, you want to make it seem like they're in the world rather than just staged. Yeah, and I think you would be surprised how many scenes from your favorite movies have a hazer going. Because the world is hazy, guys. The world is dirty. Hazy. I mean, especially in like morning scenes, you know, when people just wake up, you see like the dust floating around and there's this like thick kind of haze. Mm-hmm. And what it does, it does add like the shafts of light, which is cool mm-hmm. and can create depth, but it also creates like a softness to the background that's yeah uh without having you know it be because of the depth of field yeah and then some of these tricks you can take if you do not have the the equipment that'll give you that shallow depth of field like the haze in the background will get give it make make it seem a little out of focus if you can't with your equipment make it out of focus yeah, I mean, an example of atmospheric it's called atmospheric perspective for for you guys nerd an example, a classic example of atmospheric uh-huh. perspective. If you are to look at um, a mountain range, okay, and you see the the different layers of mountains, how can you tell which ones are closer? It's because the ones that are farther away are get like hazier and hazier. Have the clouds touching them, kissing them? Yeah, well, they just get hazier. Yeah, yeah. It, like it can be a solid color mm-hmm. with no clouds in sight, but they just seem like hazy. Yeah. That's and, a good example. Look at you. Yeah. You should be a teacher. It's art. Oh. It's art. <laughs> you should be an art Speaking teacher. Speaking of art. <laughs> yes. The next uh, the next thing is perspective. Oh. You can use perspective, which 
Man, how do I explain perspective? Yeah, this one's going to be hard. I, I want to hear how you, you explain it. Okay. So perspective exists in art when you see um, the angle of buildings and you, you're like, how do, how do you get those to look like they exist in space? It's because in reality, um, lines travel along what's called, uh, what's, they travel to a vanishing point on the horizon. There we go. So it's if you like if you a, look at a road, yeah, the road goes to that a point. goes to uh, the horizon line. It yep. comes to a point and it expands out uh, as it as gets, it gets close closer to you. to you. Yep, and that is because of perspective and the vanishing point, etc. And if you are looking um, along a street, for example, with buildings, the buildings also the lines on the buildings also follow uh, the lines to the vanishing point. That's how it works. But anyway, it's kind of like uh, in how you can use it in film is if you're like, for example, in a long hallway and the characters at the end of the hallway and the lines all kind of like intersect where the characters at and they, they draw your eyes towards the character. Ooh. You know, it's about using angles. Yeah. And the, the natural lines. lines that are in there because of the perspective. Exactly. Draw right. the eyes with the environment. Mm hmm. And you can also combine these things. You know, you can use lights. You can use light and shadow to create uh, the angles that draw your eyes to them. You know what I mean? You can do whatever. It's like these aren't like just separate rules. They all kind of intertwine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, perspective is a great one. You can get different perspectives by raising and lowering the cameras. You know? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like, and and also the perspective deals with. Um, not just depth of field, but also with, you know, I mean, it portrays so many different things too. put the camera up high, looking down on a subject, that person feels powerless mm -hmm. and small, put it down low, looking up at the person, the person feels more powerful, feels more, um, in control. Yeah. And, uh, so perspective is not only just for, you know, depth of the image, it's also for depth of the story. Totally. Totes. My goats. <laughs> Totes. And I think um, when you add perspective, if you're like stuck on a shot and you're like, this doesn't look interesting, interesting yeah, enough. You want to make your shots interesting. I mean, you, never, can, you never. can pretty much point to perspective, I think. Oh, to, okay. To try to um, make it look a little bit more interesting. All right. You know? I'll give like you that. Instead of shooting flat against the wall, you can uh, shoot like raking against it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, instead of having the person in the middle of the frame with the, you know, the uh, hallway going right behind them, you can move them to the side a little bit and see that deep perspective. Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I like that. Exactly. Um, anything else, Mr. Cinematographer? Well, I think that's all I could think of at the moment. I mean, that's pretty good. You got about, you got about five of them in there. Yeah. I guess. I was yeah. expecting more from you, but. Oh. I guess we could also talk about, in terms of light and dark, it's kind of, again, how they all kind of intersect. You got light and dark. Yep. You got foreground and background. You got um, atmosphere is the idea of like silhouettes, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can, like even, not necessarily even like silhouettes of people, but think about the, the shot looking up at people looking into a sewer. You know, you have that like dark circle mm -hmm. and them uh, looking through it or something like that. Yeah. There's different ways that you can use 
light and dark like that with silhouette to create a cool composition and depth. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, I'm trying to think of, I mean, there's tons of examples out there of just like a blown up background and you just see the outline of a person. Yep. Um, I mean, Sicario, Sicario, some of that. Yeah. Going on. Um, any of those old school train tunnels. Oh yeah. You got the train at the back with the light blaring. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's pretty good. All right. There's a lot of depth to that conversation. There was. <laughs> there was. All right. So what's cool now? What is cool with what we think is cool in the 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 world of filmmaking? Now, I'm trying to decide if this is cool or not. Yeah. Um, so the government is thinking about rescinding the law that made it illegal for movie studios to own their own theaters and theater chains. Yeah. Um, you know, back in the day, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but you, did you ever go to United Artists Theaters, UA? Yeah, there was a yeah. theater chain called UA. Yeah. Um, uh, didn't uh, Tom Cruise take over that? He took over the studio because there's also the studio. the studio. Yeah. Charlie Chaplin started and Mary Pickford started United Artists. Right. And that was a studio. And then they also owned theaters. Right. So that was declared illegal and a monopoly by the government. So they had to diversify and, you know, sell their interest in those theaters. Mm-hmm. And then UA for a long time was an independent theater chain. But now, excuse me, I still have a cough. I don't know why. That's just this delicious beer. Um, now they're thinking about reversing it so that like Walt Disney could own a, like could own um AMC or yeah. Walt Disney could own uh Edwards Cinema. Now Walt Disney does own a theater. It, it is um El, El Capitan. Capitan. Um but this is a little bit bigger deal and I'm trying to decide if this is cool or not because on one side of it I feel that it could hurt independent filmmakers and no bu- low budget filmmaker people because Say you know Disney has a Marvel movie, they only want to be shown. They only want to show it in their theaters, so they're going to pack their theaters full of Mar- their Marvel movie. Yeah, and so there's no wiggle room for other people to get into those theaters if they have a small movie that you know Disney never produced sure. or has nothing to do with. Sure. But on the other side, say you know now that even though that Disney is going to own Fox now, say Fox had their own line of theaters. Well, <coughs> Fox is only. Putting out, let's see, let's be generous. Ten movies a year? Yeah, ten to twelve, something like that. They're, they're not, if they're sticking to, to just Fox movies in their theater, there's going to be times when they don't have any movies in there. So they're going to need independence because they're not going to want to show a Disney movie. They're not going to want to give Disney money. Um, right. Um, so they'll there may be room for them to take an independent film because they just need people in the seats. Because... If you guys don't know, a lot of movie theaters make their money from concessions, so they just need people in the theater to buy the snackums. And so I can't decide if this is good or bad for independent filmmakers. Yeah, I can't decide. I, well, I'm, I tend to be leaning towards bad. Yeah. I always tend bad to see in when, general. when the major studios have control over more, this is bad. I mean, I mean, this law doesn't just exist for movie theaters. It's a... Monopoly are, are they, law, yeah. It's like the antitrust law, right? But I think each, I think each like industry has their own antitrust laws, so they could just rescind it for movie theaters, but not, you I know, see. but not for everyone else. Interesting. But well, like for me downtown, I have one theater. It's the Regal. Sure. And if that's only showing like you know 
a certain studio's movies, I'll be like, are you kidding me? That sucks. Right. That sucks. I don't think they would do that. <coughs> I don't think I would they like could to do think that. I would like to think they would. Yeah, they wouldn't be able to survive. They wouldn't have enough movies in there. No. But what they're going to do is they're just, it's like, it's going to be second run yeah. of those movies. So they're going to have been out somewhere else yeah. before. Yeah. And they're going to probably fight about like rates and stuff. And then there's going to be some, some studios that aren't, are going to, tickets are going to be even higher. To, not want to put their th- movies in certain theaters because they won't give them the good rates or whatever, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's a great idea. No, I don't either. So. We that, shall see. Yeah. Yeah, I don't love it. So on the other side, what is cool? <laughs> um, <coughs> Why did I get the, the, my cough just suddenly came back after being gone for five days. Oh, man. <sighs> it was never gone. Thing. Yeah, that's true. It was never gone. That is so true. Um, all right. Meanwhile, yeah. I feel fresh as a daisy. <laughs> yeah, but your wife is getting sick, so it's probably gonna hit you soon. It's true. Take it in right as we go to right as we go to uh, to Vegas. I know. Yep. Um, okay, so one thing that I think is pretty cool: DaVinci Resolve 15 Woo! is finally out of beta. Man, this thing is looking sick. I'm gonna have to give it a try. Ooh, it looks pretty sweet. So this version, you know, it combines the editing aspect which they introduced yep uh the color grading which has been the industry you know leading for a little while yep and um it combined fusion inside resolve (laughs) which i think is pretty bomb.com you can you know do big composites and like motion graphics mm-hmm. and effects yeah. inside of Resolve yep. instead of having to go to a different program like Nuke <sighs> yeah. or like After Effects for Premiere. Yeah, it's got, uh, you know, in, within within DaVinci, it has um, audio mastering. Mm-hmm. It's got, you know, visual effects. It's got coloring. It's got titling. Um, and if you do, okay, so it's free. Um, <coughs> gosh, jeez. Um, but... Um, that being said, if you want to pay $300 for the studio version, that adds – you can work on the, a project at the same exact time as with someone else. Yeah, which is crazy. Which so. is crazy. So if me and Alex are sitting in our studio and we have a network drive that we both are connected to, we can open the same product and see us moving things around and like making edits at the same in real time. Well, not only that, I don't know if that's – is that true? I thought so. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, Maybe I'm just giving uh, Da Vinci Resolve too much credit. Too much credit. I thought it was that you could work in each one of those particular tabs simultaneously. So, like, I could be working on the coloring tab while you're working on the sound mixing tab. Hmm, Maybe we should have looked into this before I just blatantly threw some uh, features out that may not exist. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Feature request. Feature request. Let me see what we got here. Let's see. Let's see. You, you, You talk about what else is cool. All right. So... I want to give a shout out to one of our listeners. Ah, I'm going to say this name for Alex because he was having. Um, yeah, do it. His name is Caleb Theorio. Caleb Theorio. Caleb Theorio. I hope that's right, Caleb. I, I apologize if it's not, uh, but I'm going to go with Theorio. Uh, Caleb is one of our listeners. Yeah, and surprisingly, he, he contacted us through the blog um, and through Facebook, and he told us about. Amazon Story Writer, because in a previous podcast, we had been asking for suggestions for 
screenwriting software because we were moving away from uh, Adobe Story, which they uh, shut down, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, because we were using that and it was working out pretty good. Loved it. Loved it. We moved from Celtics to Adobe Story. Um, and now that Adobe Story is gone, we're going to have to figure something else out. We're leaning towards Fade In Pro. Um, but Caleb brought up Amazon StoryWriter, which is really cool. Yeah. For those of you who don't know about it, it's a um, a free program. Uh, it's web-based that uh, is made by Amazon. And before, you know, I think I, I heard somewhere, maybe it was like in a group, someone was saying that Amazon owns the rights to the scripts that you write in it, and that's not true. No, 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 uh, no. But no. it does give you the ability to sort of streamline your submission process to Amazon if you're hoping to get Amazon Studios to look at your script and, and uh, produce it. Speaking of, before I'm going to cut in, that was one thing. Right when the right when the the government rescinds that law, um, Amazon's buying Landmark Theaters. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> no, Landmark. They, they already have the deal in place. Why Landmark of all I, the theaters? I don't know. I I don't know. I wish I did, but uh, let me double check that. But I Amazon AMC A for Amazon. You would think. Oh, are you kidding me? It's like the biggest one, isn't it? Yeah, but the Chinese bought into that a long a while ago. They're not going to sell that. Maybe not. I, I doubt it. They're it's probably going to buy Alibaba. Yeah, they're probably just going to start a theater that like the company that owns AMC is probably just going to start a movie theater. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Um, um. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, did you? Sorry, I was looking up Da Vinci. Did you mention that, Caleb? We th- we were looking around at it. It doesn't seem to be able to do offline. They they, they took away the Chrome at extension. Yeah, they had they had an extension. I don't even know how it worked because. Chrome extension suggests that you still need to be online. But uh, everything that they point to for on their website that suggests offline capabilities is no longer around. Yeah, so... Which is a bummer, because bummer otherwise us. it would be, it would be pretty, fantastic. pretty bomb.com. We'd, we'd actually use it. So I think we're still leading towards fade-in. Um, we've taken a time out on our scripts because we have this big project we're working on. But when we get back into it, I'm going to probably do some fade-in stuff. Yeah. I think we'll probably give it a try. <laughs> we'll I saw, see. who was it? Pro Video Coalition, Ooh. which is a blog, Yeah, if you guys don't know it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, had an article for Moviola.com. Ooh. Moviola. Yeah. Uh, that said, Fade in Pro is the best kept secret in screenwriting, or some crazy headline like that. I'll but, take it. You know, it's got a lot of features. It's got some testimonials from people like Ryan Johnson from Ooh. Star Wars fame. Uh, yeah. I'll, okay, cool. I'll do it. Yeah. I'll check it out. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, on other things of what's cool, so Nvidia is um, putting on some new graphics card, and they and these are a little different because they have new architecture in them. Um, I don't know if you guys are ATI or Nvidia um, freaks, but Nvidia for Premiere has CUDA, which is just kind of a graphic accelerator built into the Nvidia cards that Adobe uh, products can take advantage of. Yep. Well, they say this new architecture that they have, which they're calling. Turing architecture. Turing, like the Turing test? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Or is that Turing? I think, no, I think it's spelled the same. T-U-R-I-N. I don't know. Uh, it's AI. It's the, AI. The computers are taking over. Oh, my gosh. They're going to be voiced by uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Um, so that they say this is the biggest advancement in graphic card architecture since CUDA, and they, they tout that the it's going to be much easier to edit 8K, which... No budget doesn't scream 8K, um, but... If, I don't know what does scream 8K. Uh, you know, visual effects. 
visual effects, man. So, so why do you have to edit in that? I mean, I think it's just dealing with 8K footage is probably what they're mm. saying. Uh. So, you know, if you have some 8K plates, then you can, you know, crack those yeah. bad open with the new NVIDIA cards, and it'll be it'll be completely fine because these things are built for it. Yeah, yeah. So I do like that everyone is just like proxies now. No, we don't need don't proxies need anymore. Like that's just a stupid step. I'd rather buy a twenty thousand dollar computer to edit my 8K raw footage yeah. than use a proxy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because I got money. Yeah, This th- th- we all know that there's no budget filmmaking. The uh, podcast does not scream money. So no. I don't know uh, what we're hoping for. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So the video is going to get some new cars coming out. So look for everyone talking about 8K being the next big thing like they did for 4K. <laughs> and uh, just building. I mean, 4K is barely rolling out to the public. I, I know, right? But people are going to talk about 8K Those now. Those peeps that bought the 4K TVs when they were like eight grand are going to be like, ah, dang it. No, no. Nah. I'm going to buy an 8K. Here it goes. Even though no one's going to be producing 8K forever. I know. And then when they finally start producing 8K stuff, they're, they're going to be like, guess what, guys? We're rolling out 12K. Nope, 32K. Boom. 32K. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> we're skipping all the Ks. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. What so another thing that I saw. Talked about this before because mm-hmm. I have one. Okay, the Elgato Stream Deck. Oh, it's pretty cool. But they just released a mini version mm-hmm. of it. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Stream Deck is a little uh, control surface that has an array of buttons. The buttons are little LED screens, um, so you can sort of change the functionality of them. You can map them to whatever you want. And use hotkeys, or they have some built-in programs that they are um, like tied to. Um, but you can use it for anything. And so I have mine mapped for um, all the hotkeys for Premiere, After Effects, Photoshop. Um, you can do OBS, which we're going to do. Um, other live streaming things. You can like launch whatever. Basically, anything you can use a hotkey for, you can program it for this thing. Um, and they just released a mini version that just has six buttons. It's pretty tiny, kind of cute, whatever. If you don't have, if you don't need like a ton of buttons, yeah. I mean, I, t- I tend to use about four or five hockeys on in Premiere. Yeah. So um, I mapped mine out pretty, pretty full. So I'm using all the buttons. Uh, you use it regularly? Uh, well, I don't do a whole lot of editing. Yeah. But when I do, I like it. Yeah. It's nice, especially. Nice. I mean, one of the, especially in Photoshop and things. Like the hotkeys in in After Effects and Premiere that I use, mm-hmm. I, it's just like five of them, maybe or like four that I use regularly. Gotcha. But um, it makes it, it so makes, much easier not to have to remember it if you haven't been to it in a while. Yeah. Oh. In Photoshop, it's a little bit more useful, I think, because it's not just like two tools that you. It's not like you're using the uh, the pointer tool and the razor tool all the time. Yeah. You know, it's like you got. You got so many different tools. You got different things for like dodge and burn and pen and like fill and paintbrush and then clone stamp and you got all these different things you can you can use and it just makes it so much faster. I know. I I I am slowly leaning towards needing to get uh, a stream deck because it just seems so much more user friendly and, and better. Just because I love hotkeys, I just love hockey and it makes things so much easier. Yeah. Um. And I think it's going to be useful. We shouldn't. We should set it up for our, our Facebook lives, maybe. Oh, we should totally do that. 
Yeah, because it works with OBS, right? I mean, it, it does. It doesn't work with. It's just as long as the thing has keyboard hotkeys, it just maps keyboard. Strokes. It does, but OBS is one of the programs that it actually has like API connection to. I think. Okay, we need to hook that thing up ASAP. Like yeah. next time we do a Facebook Live, we can do um, nice intros and stuff like that. So let's oh, do it. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Let's do it next time. Um, okay. So before I get to the final, what's cool? Or it's one of the, again, it's kind of like the uh, studios owning movie theater. Is it cool or is it it not? I don't know. I want to give it to you straight because we are all about facts here. We're all about facts at this no budget filmmaking podcast. So I was thinking you were right about Resolve. I know. Shocking. My God. It's, you know, I thought you were right. It says all the work is tied together, managed by a powerful database. This is about collaboration which makes it possible for editors, colorists, VFX artists, animators, and sound engineers to work together simultaneously, okay? Mm-hmm. It says um, each user logs in and can work together on the same project. And I was like, okay, so you know, your colorist can be doing it while you're doing the editing. Sure. Fine. That's what it is. But then it says multiple assistants can prep and sort footage. So I think it, oh, can, snap. I think it literally is like, you know what? Like... I, I can be editing while you're editing. Users can lock bins and timelines to protect their work so that nobody can touch it. Interesting. And get a load of this. Built-in chat. Built-in chat? So you can chat with everyone who's working on that project at the same time. That's cool. And it's so... Um, here it is. And this is the final nail in the coffin for our question. Mm-hmm. When multiple people work on the same project, you may ask an assistant, assistant to tighten up a cut or to finish the scene for you. When they're done, you can use the new timeline compare tool to visually <laughs> to visually display where clips have been added, deleted, moved, or trimmed. Wow. This makes it fast and easy to accept the new changes. Maybe. I mean, if you have like a huge timeline, that would be crazy. But at the same time, I mean. <sighs> yeah. That and, sounds cool. And you can use like Synology and all that to store it all and all that. And it works perfectly. I, I'm I'm leaning towards DaVinci, man. Man, I kind of want to try it out. I, I definitely want to try it out. I definitely want to try it out. Um, but finally, the what's cool. So there is a story coming out. Um, if anyone out there is a big film nut, they will know the name Tony K. Does anybody know that? Do you know it, Alex? Do you know who Tony, Tony K is? Tony K. 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 Okay. Um, okay. Is he the guy uh, from the classic film White Christmas with Bing Crosby? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> he is the man behind American History X. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So he is doing a new movie called Second Born. It's called Smiley Skull Stompers. Smiley Skull Stompers. <laughs> <laughs> the sequel to American History yeah. X. Perfect. You know exactly what the movie's about. No surprises at the theater. Smiley face stompers. Yeah. <laughs> American history story. Um, he's doing a new movie called Second Born. And what's so incredible about this is that he wants to cast a robot as the lead actor in the film. Do you cast a robot or do you build a robot? Well, get a load of this. He wants to pursue getting the robot SAG recognition. What for? I don't know. <laughs> so it has its own dressing room? I don't know. So who who gets the money? The the owner of the robot? There's a lot of weird things about it's this. It's like a child. So there's a lot of weird Until things. Until the about robot this. grows up and yeah. goes off to college, it can't touch the money. So here it is. Tony K wants to wants a robot to play the lead in his movie 
Second Born, which is actually a sequel to an independent comedy, First Born, that has yet to be released. An independent comedy? Yes. First Born. Yep. Starring Val Kilmer. <laughs> really? Yep. Yep. Is it also okay. by Tony K? No. <laughs> no, he's not affiliated with it. <laughs> so he's making a sequel to someone else's movie. Is his sequel a comedy? Uh, he doesn't scream funny to me, but maybe uh, he doesn't at all. I don't. I don't think they have the details about his movie. Okay, so he wants to cast a robot as the lead. Right. Okay. I guess he does scream funny to me. The movie, from what everyone can see, isn't about robots. So it's not like he's gonna play like play like the robot is a robot. He's trying to find a robot that can pass for a human. Human. But why? I, Tell me why. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, Maybe to to I don't know. I I don't know what I'm more shocked of is the fact that he's casting a robot in the lead of a, in a in a movie about that's not about robots, or the fact that he's casting a robot in a lead for a movie that is the sequel to a, to someone else's movie that hasn't come out yet <laughs> that has no robots in it and is a comedy. Um. I mean, I guess there's we'll a lot. Of, there's a lot about this that just screams publicity stunt. It's like, do you remember who Tony K is? Nope. No one does. I mean, but also, guess what? He's doing this thing. No, he's not. He's just making a movie, and now you'll know about it. I mean, this is also the dude who like took out ads against Edward Norton because they had a feud during American History X. Yeah. Um. I mean. He wanted to get recut. He sued New Line for two hundred million dollars. I mean, it's this guy's weird, so it doesn't I'm, surprise me. I'm I'm thinking it's probably not going to happen. I also think it might be some kind of publicity stunt to get it. You know, yeah, for sure. I don't know. It's, it's very strange. They're very strange. But what a great thing to end on. You know, giving all just disaster to actors out there thinking that they could at one day be replaced by robots. I mean. I've yet to see a robot that even looks remotely human. Well, there was that sex robot that was at a conference. I don't remember that one. I don't know. I just heard, I just heard something about it, and they, the, the, the robot was terrorized, of course. Oh, God. America no. can't have nice things. No. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what's that girl? What's that like, lady robot's name that just started walking? Oh, yeah. But it's, like, autonomous. Yeah. Is he talking about an autonomous robot or one that's controlled by, like, remote control? I gotta think it's it's controlled by remote control. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way. It's up to the snuff. Also, you're gonna have to use a voice actor. Something. You can't... There's... Yeah, I know. You're paying twice for actors here, buddy. Yep. Dumbest thing I've ever heard. I like how this discussion about the actor as a lead role in a movie about that's a sequel to a movie that he had nothing to do with that hasn't been released yet is almost as long. A discussion about that is almost as long as our podcast. The rest of the podcast. All right, we're done. Yeah, but I I do like the fact that we're both just like, what the hell is going on? So close us out, Alex. All right, I'm I'm just frustrated. That's gonna do it for this episode. Thank you for joining us. You can get the show notes for this episode by visiting nobudgetfilmmaking.com slash episode 18. And if you like this episode, leave us a comment. Be so kind to and let us know that you like this episode. We always like hearing from you guys. It means a lot, a lot to us. It warms the cockles of our cold, dead hearts to see that people like this this podcast. It does. Yeah. So don't forget to hop on over to iTunes and subscribe. 
And uh, if you're if you're there and you happen to be like, you know, what do I do next? Hanging out. What else um, can I do on iTunes? What else can I do? Give us a five star rating. Oh, that's what you can do. And uh, leave us a leave us a review. We we love seeing those, reading those. It's very fun. Makes us feel that we're accomplishing something, which we're probably not, but um, it does. Yeah. And also like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at Cinema Summit for our 17 photos that we have up there so far. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. we'll catch you next time. That'll do it. See you later, guys.